Hey, just wanted to give a quick trigger warning before you started this episode. Uh, trigger warning for anyone who's been affected by sexual assault, sexual abuse, any type of misconduct whatsoever. In this episode, we will be covering the NWSL report, uh, the abuse and sexual assault misconduct that takes place um, in that report. And during the episode, I do get into some of the more graphic material that had happened uh, in that report. So just want to give a quick trigger warning um, and to say I will put uh, links in the bio of this episode for any resources. Uh, if you are a victim of any type of sexual abuse, abuse in general, uh, that that'll be there for you. So um, this will be one of the more serious episodes. Uh, and I do hope you listen um, cause I do find this very important. Uh, Martin and I both discussed this and felt as though like, uh, something that needed to be talked about. So, um, thank you again. Uh, please note the trigger warning and I appreciate you listening. Today is Thursday, October 6, 2022 from North Philadelphia. My name is Kevin Pettit and you are listening to Loud Americans Discussing Soccer, better known as LADS or LADS Podcast. Today, we're going to be covering the NWSL scandal, report, abuse, misconduct, negligence, There's a lot of words to describe what came out on Monday, the report put out by the former Attorney General Yates. And uh, the long story short of this is there was a year-long investigation that found U.S. soccer executives, NWSL owners, coaches at all levels of American soccer had turned a blind eye towards years of reports of abuse from players. Several players had come forward talking about horrific, absolutely horrific events. Um, One coach called in a player to review a game, to review film, game film, and showed her pornography instead. Another was notorious at highest levels of women's soccer for alternately berating his players and then quizzing them about their sex lives. A third coach coerced multiple players into sexual relationships, behavior that one top team found so determined, so disturbing that it fired him. A lot of what I'm referencing is from the New York Times article by Kevin Draper. So uh, thank you to all the great journalists and reporters who are covering this uh, vigorously and vehemently. Uh, I feel as though there's been a lot of great coverage from NPR, Washington Post, uh, some of our other major athletes, the athletic, but you know, a lot of these different organizations uh, put up paywalls. Um, so I figured here we put out our pods for free. So if you wanted to get some more information about it, I do highly recommend the article by Kevin Draper um, from the New York Times and several others um, who are covering this. There's also women's soccer podcasts, uh, women in soccer pod, um, who are actually having, uh, former U S women's national team players, uh, people who work in the organization to, uh, cover this a lot better than I can. I felt it was important 
Martin and I have covered serious topics before, be it players having horrible allegations against them, uh, fans conducting horrible behavior, be it racist behavior, be it homophobic behavior, whatever it might be, we've not strayed away. I know a lot of our audience will be like, oh, Kevin, what's where's the beer drinking? Where's the shit talking? Whatever. I don't know. I felt as though this was a much major, a much bigger deal uh, than a lot of people have been covering. I feel like the coverage of this hasn't been exactly that mainstream when I do feel as though there's just been so much abuse, um, so much cover up. And the biggest example I can compare it to when I was reading over this article and about how, how did this happen? How did so many people keep allowing this to happen? And it reminded me a lot of the movie spotlight, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, has one of the best ensemble cast, but the, the whole time and the Mark Walt, uh, Mark Ruffalo uh, quote in that was, you know, they knew and they let it happen. And, you know, and I think this rings very, very true in this investigation from the top to the bottom. There have been multiple reports going all the way back to 2015 with some of these coaches um, and nothing happened. They would kind of what they did in spotlight, where if a priest got caught uh, doing some horrible behavior, they would just move him to a different church. In this example, coaches were being shifted around to different organization, organization covered up, covered up here and there uh, in order to keep the uh, status quo. Uh, This report was published on Monday a year after players outright outraged by what they saw as a culture of abuse and their sport demanded changes by refusing to take the field. It found that leaders of the NWSL and the United States Soccer Federation, the governing body of the sport in America, as well as owners, executives, and coaches at all levels failed to act on years of voluminous and persistent reports of abuse by coaches. In a quote from Sally Q. Yates, the lead investigator, our, invest- our investigation has revealed a league in which abuse and misconduct, verbal and emotional abuse, and sexual misconduct have become systemic, spanning multiple teams, coaches, and victims. Abuse in the NWSL is rooted in a deeper culture in women's soccer, beginning in youth leagues that normalizes verbally abusive coaches and blurs boundaries between coaches and players. Uh, That is a quote from Sally Q. Yates, the lead investigator who is commissioned uh, by U.S. soccer to look into the sport after reports in The Athletic and The Washington Post detailed accusations of sexual and verbal abuse against coaches in the women's league. After the news media reports and after games were postponed as furious players protested publicly, league executives resigned and were fired. Within weeks, half of the 10-team league coaches had been linked to allegations of abuse, and some of the world's top players had recounted their own stories of mistreatment. The U.S. soccer president and former member of the national team, Cindy Parlow Cohn, called the findings devastating and infuriating. Even with so much of the worst abuse publicly known, the Yates report is stunning in how meticulously it details how many powerful soccer officials were told about abuse and how little they did to investigate or stop it. 
<sighs> man, I don't know. I just, when something like this happens, there's going to be a lot of questions about how this happened, how this got allowed to happen for years. And again, it's just, you can look to countless examples throughout the years. You can look at the Sandusky example in Penn State. That's a classic case of everyone covering each other, everyone knowing what was happening. You can look at what was going on in Boston and across the world with the Catholic Church and how everybody knew what was going on with that scandal. You can look at the Harvey Weinstein. You can look at the Bill Cosby. You can look at so many different examples. And you know, in every case where we live in a post-Me Too world, how is this still allowed to happen? How is it that every time we go back to these examples and we go, oh, like this was reported. It wasn't only reported once. It was reported multiple, multiple times. And it's just fucking sickening, man. I feel as though, you know, I've seen the people who will say, oh, you know, like, what if that was your sister? What was that? What if that was your mother? What if that was whatever? And to me, it comes down to like, these are just human beings. Like, you don't have to keep coming down to the example of, oh, like, if that was your sister, how would you feel? If that was your mother, when these horrible fucking things happen. And at the end of the day, these are just human beings. They're women. <laughs> like, I don't understand why we have to always make it so personal when we can just already just make it personal as a fellow human being. <sighs> More on this, the National Team Players Association released a statement saying it was dismayed that some clubs and U.S. soccer staff impeded the investigation and urged U.S. soccer to implement the report's recommendations. Large, uh, national team players largely did not respond publicly to their report as they were on a plane to London for a match against England as the report was released. While the report details complaints made about several coaches, it focuses its narrative on three, Paul Riley, Rory Dames, and Christy Holly. The accusations against Riley, who last coached the North Carolina Courage, and Dames, who coached the Chicago Red Stars, have been well-documented in news media reports. The accusations against Holly, who was abruptly dismissed as the coaching of racing Louisville FC last year with little explanation, have not been aired publicly before. Holly spoke with investigators and denied some, but not all of the claims made against him. Through his lawyers, Dames declined to speak with investigators. Riley agreed to provide written responses, but never did. Holly sexually coerced a player, according to the report, by inviting her to his home for what he said was to be a session to watch game film. Instead, he showed the player pornography and masturbated in front of her. Another time, according to a report, after calling in the player again under the pretense of watching game film, Holly groped the player's genitals and breasts each time the film showed she made a mistake. Sickening, fucking sickening, man. It pains me to even mention any of this from the article from Draper in the New York Times. So a lot of people are saying, like, what's to do? Are these people all going to get fired again? Like, this is a systemic issue that goes all the way down to the youth leagues, all the way up to the top. These owners who knew about it need to be forced to sell their team. This isn't like the example going on with... uh I don't know, like the sons uh, in, in the NBA where this guy was just kind of like a sneaky racist piece of shit. Like these are actually harmful sexual assault allegations 
against players within their league. So it needs to go from the top players, uh, owners selling their teams to all the way down to vetting coaches, promoting a new way of treating players, getting rid of the abuse, the verbal abuse, and obviously the sexual abuse. In the case of all three of these coaches, the report found the women's league and the U.S. soccer officials, as well as individual team owners and executives, were repeatedly made aware of complaints of inappropriate behavior, but largely did nothing to address them or prevent them from occurring elsewhere. Like I said, sexual misconduct allegations were brought against Riley each year from 2015 to 2021. For example, an anonymous player survey in 2014 also identified Riley, then coaching the Portland Thorns, as verbally abusive and sexist. The survey results were seen by U.S. soccer and league officials, and the feedback was distributed to the Thorns owner, Mayor Paulson. In 2015, after the Thorns conducted an investigation, Riley was terminated, but the team said publicly that had chosen not to extend his contract, and Riley was not disciplined whatsoever. And again, as this article goes on to say, revelations may not be over. A separate joint investigation by the Women's League and its Players Association has not been completed. And the report also did not investigate youth soccer, even as it made clear the investigators believe abuse is prevalent there as well. Again, the roots of abuse in women's soccer run deep and will not be eliminated through reform in the NWSL alone. So... Again, my condolences to all the victims in this. Um, I really uh, am truly sorry to all those who were hurt, assaulted, and everything surrounding this case. The emotional and psychological damage this must have done to the players going forward and the perseverance they must all have to a lot of them to keep playing. And my heart goes out to those who still can fight through this and to those who can that it was too much to handle that's totally fine like this is some fucked up shit so um so please uh i just wanted to do a little bit of touch on this subject and just make more people aware of what is going on um i am no expert in this subject i was literally reading off a new york times article but i feel as though there are a lot of great resources there's a great uh, a lot of women's soccer uh, resources, women in soccer, um, all those uh, within the NWSL. Uh, many women have come out and spoke out about it, being journalists or staff. Uh, you can find on Twitter or on online. Um, I'll see if I can link some of them here in the episode. Um, I just felt as though like uh, we have a following, we have a reach, and I felt as though I should comment or say something uh because you know not because of me but because of other people not saying anything about this this continued stuff goes on so um thank you for listening i know it's not our normal podcast stuff but i wanted to be serious and sorry if i got graphic in there i was just reading the article and just uh you know uh, i will put a warning on this podcast for uh those who um you know, who have gone through something similar like this or know someone or just understands pure human empathy and that these things happen and it really fucking sucks. So, all right. Thank you guys. We'll be back with a new episode later this week to preview the games and whatnot, but, uh, uh, you know, we'll get back to our normal stuff, but when something like this happens, you know, it's good to speak out and, you know, discuss this further. So 
Thank you. I'll be your dream, I'll be your wish, I'll be your fantasy. I'll be your hope, I'll be your love, be everything that you need. I love you more with every breath, truly, madly, deeply do. I will be strong, I will be faithful, cause I'm counting on a new beginning. A reason for Sand it to 